This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. Hallelujah. Come on, let's lift our voices and give our Lord Jesus praise. Okay, now that wasn't bad for, you know, kind of a school concert where you have to watch every other parent's child waiting for yours. I mean, even in a rugby stadium, you hear more noise. And that's over a little leather ball. Amen. We serve the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, died when a hell for us, rose from the dead, and is alive. Come on, let's give Him glory due His name. We praise you, Lord. Glory. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, good morning, family. It has been a while, but we are back home. Uh, this is home. And we thank God for a spiritual mother like Dr. Bev, who stood, st she stands fearlessly by the side of her husband, Apostle Theo, the father and mother of this house. And the word says to honor your father and mother, and it will go well with you, and you'll live long. That's a, that's a commandment with a promise. Amen. And that's not just our natural mothers. That's our spiritual mothers as well. And we must recognize our legacy and thank God that we are able to be born into a home, a spiritual home, where we get the uncompromised Word of God and not only taught, but demonstrated in a powerful life that lives the life of righteousness and holiness. So let's thank God for our spiritual parents. Amen. And Dr. Bev. Again, happy Mother's Day, and to all the mothers here as well. Father, today we come expectant. We thank you for your living word. You are that word, and you've released that word in our hearts. You delivered your word to set us free, to be a light to our path, a lamp to our feet, to cause faith to rise in our hearts, to give us instruction, reproof, and correction. You are that very living word, and so we've come today to hear from heaven. And I thank you for the privilege of being a voice to that word. I don't take that lightly, sir. I submit myself under your mighty hand, that by your grace I may speak your word with clarity and accuracy. And as your word goes forth, you ignite it with your presence, taking it deep into the heart of every hearer, causes faith to rise and dispels every form of fears. Minds are renewed to your word. Understanding replaces confusion. I believe each and every one of us today are transformed from glory to glory. This we give you alone the praise and honor in the name of Jesus. Family, if you already received, shout amen. amen. Praise God as you see that open your Bible at Luke chapter 6. You may have noticed we are living in dire situations. Uh, we come from Cape Town. Revival's happening there. The church is growing and expanding, and Jesus is building his church. The word says the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Hell cannot stop what God ordains. Hallelujah. Uh, with load shedding that's happening, you know, we, we, we've got uh, our... Steenbrus Dam that supplies us electricity locally. So usually we two are one or two levels below the rest of the nation. And so when I got here, I thought, you know, someday they gave me a, a list of the load shedding that's going to happen up here. And I thought, you know, that's when they tell me the lights are going to be off. 
If they gave me a list with when the lights are going to be on, the list would be shorter. <laughs> it's like, you know, what is happening? But family of God, that's just simply an outworking of the, the situation in the world. You look at what's happening with our interest rates, uh, the, the price of fuel, inflation, things that are happening. Not only that, you look at the pandemic we came through, and we know that's not the last time something like that's going to happen. The sickness and disease that's in the world. People are going crazy, doing stupid things, and what was considered sin 50 years ago is now being written into law, and you are now required by law to sin. And, you know, it's like, you go, what is happening to this world? And it's easy to throw up your hands and say, I don't know what to do next. Is it what, What's going to happen? Why, where do I go? What do I do? Why is it that we're struggling so much? But family, how many you know God already knew this was coming? This is not catching God by surprise. Not like the 21st century arrived and God thought, I did not know this was going to happen. No, when he sent Jesus to that cross, he paid the price to redeem us from every curse so that the blessing of God may come upon us and you and I can live in the full establishment of what he's ordained in his word. He sent his word to heal. He sent his word to deliver. He says so much that he exalts his own word higher than his name. And he says, I will personally watch over my word to perform it. God and his word are inseparable. When you hold that Bible in your hand, we call that the word of God, but sometimes we can think of it as a printed book. The Bible is a compilation of books that are written, but the word of God is not a physical book. The word of God is what it says. It is the Word of God. Not only that, John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. God is the Word. The Word is God. And the thing about God, the Bible says it is impossible for God to lie. God cannot lie. It doesn't say He doesn't lie, or he prefers not to lie, or is his nature not to lie. God cannot lie. It's impossible. If he opens his mouth, it is the truth. If he said, look over there, there's a two-headed horse. By the time everybody's eyes got there, there would be a two-headed horse standing there. He just cannot say something that's not true. So you understand with God that has that power, that ability, that authority, that anointing, we upholds everything in creation by the word of his power. You know a God like that has to be very cautious about what comes out of his mouth. Because once he said it, it is. It's established for eternity. We have to become that way about the Word of God. Stop with, you know, seeing something in a printed book and going, I hope that's true. I wonder if it's true. I hope it'll work for me. We have to get to the place where if God said it, it is established for eternity. And when you read it out that book, it is just as good as if God was saying it with his own mouth. 
and you hear your pastor read that word, it is God speaking to you. I wish I could hear the voice of God. Open your Bible, read it out loud. You are hearing the voice of God. So once you find what the word has said, that word is established and God will fight to make it happen because he will not allow himself to be shown to be a liar. He will not be mocked. And if that is the case, then why is it then when I hear all this word week after week after week after week after week after week after week, what's happening in my life? How come I'm still struggling in this area? Why is this not happening? Hallelujah. Has anyone had that kind of question? Am I the only one? There's five of you know what I'm talking about. The rest of you, praise God. I know when I first got saved, how I would read a scripture, I think, God, please, I wish this was true. <laughs> but I thank God I had a teacher in Apostle Theo that taught me how to act on that word because it's the truth. Have you found Luke 6 yet? If you haven't, please give up looking at this moment and look at the person next to you. We just need to move along. Verse 46. Let me see how many you believe Jesus is your Lord. How many you believe that Jesus is your Savior? Now those two questions are not the same. For by grace you are saved, how? By faith. That is, not a result of your works, lest any man should boast. So we stand very strong on the fact that, fact that salvation is not works-based. There's nothing you can do to get saved other than praying the prayer of faith. Is that right? So there's absolutely nothing you can do. The moment you say, I believe Jesus Christ died for me and then rose from the dead, that moment you are saved. Done. Praise God for that. I thank God that it's not up to me to get me into heaven. And you say amen to that. That's Savior. Anyone can claim him to be Savior. Yeah, in verse 6, but why do you call me Lord if you do not do the things that I say? Wow. There is no qualification for salvation other than believing. There is a qualification to call him Lord. Once again, how many you believe he's your Savior? Now, I'm not going to ask the next question. Because we're going to have a look at that today. Why do you call me Lord? Not Savior. Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say. So salvation is not works-based, but we are saved to work. You enter into a lifetime. Now, this is not talking about working and slaving, trying to prove you're still saved. There's a reason Jesus is saying this. Why would he say something like this? This is not some religious control statement. This is not, you know, you should be doing everything I command, otherwise I'm really not your Lord. There's a purpose. How you know, everything God does, everything he's ever said, from the moment he said, light be, it was with man in mind. 
When he created man, everything that he put in the earth, all of the physical creation, the natural creation, it was all about creating an environment to put his man in. And the moment he put his man into that environment, the first thing he did was bless him. The very first word Adam heard was bless. And so everything God has done is out of his heart of love, not out of control. His desire is for you to enjoy life and enjoy that life abundantly. Isn't that what Jesus said? So verse 47, whoever, whoever, yeah, put your hand up, please. Bump your name and say, look at that, I'm in the book. This is you, amen. Whoever says to me, whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. Everybody say the rock. When the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. Everybody say the rock. Now, he who heard and did nothing is like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. I want to read the cross-reference. There's some things that are very interesting. I want you to notice that both these houses face the same storm. A river flowed through their yard. Not just, you know, a little trickle down the side. It says the stream beat vehemently against that house. That means it's a roaring flood knocking up against that house. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, whoever, bump your name say, look at that, there I am again. Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man. Everybody say wise man. He built his house on the rock. The rain descended. Put a number one there. The floods came. Put a number two there. The winds blew. Put a number three there. Beat on that house. Put a number four there. It did not fall. Why? It was founded on, everybody say, the rock. Verse 26, but everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. Verse 27, the rain descended. Everybody put a number one there. The floods came, right number two. The winds blew, right number three. And beat on that house, number four. And it fell, and great was its fall. I want you to notice verse 25, verse 26. The one, we see a house that did not fall, was founded on a rock. Number two, the second house, that house fell and great was its fall. One house stood, one house fell. What was the difference? You look at verse 25 and verse 27, they are identical verses. You notice they both have, number one, the rain descended. They both have, number two, the floods came. They both have, number three, the winds blew. They both have, number four, and beat on that house. When the house fell, someone could say, 
Wow, that was some storm. It was a house-destroying storm. It wasn't a house-destroying storm. Because the storm did not destroy the house. That's proved by the second house. If it was a house-destroying storm, it would wipe both houses out. So it was not the storm that wiped the house out. You have to see that. So what's the difference? When you look at both of them, look at verse 24. Whoever hears these sayings of mine. Look at verse 26. Whoever hears these sayings of mine. They were both in church. It wasn't like the fool wasn't in church. The fool was in church. So I have to ask myself, who's the fool here today? I know it's not you. Don't look to the side, you know, you may. <laughs> if it's not you, who is it? Notice, they both were in church. They both heard what Jesus said. They both said amen. They both were there. They sang the songs. They did everything you're supposed to do in church. They heard the word. So they both heard the word, and they both had the same storm. Why did the one stand and the other not? There is one critical difference in those two sections. They word for word the same, except for one difference. What was it? The one heard and did what they heard. The other heard and didn't put it to practice. That's the only difference. The one did the word, the other did not do the word. So what is the rock? It's not just hearing the word. It is taking that word and walking it out, putting it to action, walking on the water. When he says, come, you're the one that gets out the boat and walks. That's when you're going to see the supernatural start happening. Is when we trust God. And if His Word says to do something, that's what I'm going to do. I don't wonder if it's true, because it's already established it is true. Here's the Word. I don't wonder if it's going to work out. He's already declared an end result. I don't look at my bank statement. I don't look at my body. I don't look at my circumstances. That is already irrelevant. If God has said it, will He not do it? In other words, once He has spoken, from that moment on, if He says to do something, that's what I'm going to do from here on out without any difference. And the difference is that when you're putting it into practice and you're doing what you need to do, you're building your house on a rock. See, it's all very well as we hear the Word of God. There's something about these two houses. Before the storm came, do you notice that they both looked the same? One was on a rock, the other was on a sand. But you notice how houses that are built on a rock, your house is probably on a foundation. It's made out of concrete. That's a rock. And so, but you don't see that. That's underground. So when you look at the two houses, they both look great. They both come to church. They both listen to the word. They both say amen. They look like strong Christians. They're in church every weekend. It's not until the problems come that exposes what's happening down underneath. 
See, the time to act on the Word of God is not when the problem comes. Too many Christians sit in church and wait and hallelujah and yes, amen, make their notes, and then go out and live life like, you know, well, tomorrow's another day. But there is a storm coming. I said there is a storm coming. It's amazing when you say that you don't get that many amens. Jesus said in this world you will have tribulation. Did he say that? Now, why do you go and say that, Jesus? What a bad confession. No, that's just the reality of a world that has Satan in it. Trouble is coming. Jesus said so. So when it arrives, it shouldn't shock us. But what did he say? Trouble is coming, but be of good cheer. Get excited. Why would I get excited about trouble coming? He says, because I have overcome the world. And John went on to say, this is that which overcomes the world, even our faith. But faith is more than just hearing. Faith is more than just believing. Faith is taking what God has said and acting out, acting on it, doing it, living that way. The just shall live by faith. Family, that's not just, you know, you should be living by faith. It is a prophecy. It's a prophetic word. The day is coming when you have exhausted everything you know to do in the natural. When I wake up, I know to put the light on. I know to brush my teeth. I know to get dressed. I know to. And when a problem comes, I know, okay, if I get this money, I can pay it over there. There's certain things you can do in the natural to solve certain problems. If that breaks in the house, I get a plumber. He'll fix it. You know, but there is a day coming when you've exhausted every natural answer you know, and you will hit the point where nothing is left but the Word of God. Now, I said that from the back end in reverse. It's like, well, when all the pro when everything's been exhausted, then there's only the Word. No, we should be living the other way around. Let the Word be first. Let the Word be my major. Let the Word be my authority. Let it be my yes and amen. Let it be my alpha and my omega. Before I go to a doctor, I'm going to go to the Word of God. Before something happens in my body, I'm going to go to the Word of God. I'm practicing healing before the sickness shows up. Every day. I'm taking Scripture, and I'm feeding my life with the faith. His words are life to those who find them and health to all their flesh. He sent His Word to heal and deliver you from destruction. His words are spirit, and they are life. He bore every sickness. He carried every disease. 2,000 years ago, by His stripes, you've been healed. Why must I wait till I'm sick before I go look for those Scriptures? It's like a man, he's busy building his house, the storm's coming. Oh dear, we better find a rock to go build on. Too late, there's already a stream running. There's a flood going through the yard. You, 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 it's, you, if you try to dig for the rock now, it's just going to be mud. Even if you feel down there, there's a rock. You can't build on it. It's too late. And that's the problem. A lot of Christians leave it too late, but not you. Today, I'm giving you a heads up. I'm telling you ahead of time, there's a storm with your name on it. Hallelujah. I said there's a storm with your name on it. Don't, don't look shocked and I bind that in Jesus' name. No, you know it's coming. See, that's the fool. I bind that in Jesus' name. And then the storm hits and they wonder why they're coming unstuck. 
No, I'm giving you a heads up. This is me loving you, telling you there is a storm coming, but start today. Build your house today. Begin acting on the Word today. You get up in the morning and you take out those healing scriptures and feed your spirit just as much you'll feed it breakfast, lunch, and supper. Get the provision scriptures down your life. My God supplies every need according to His riches and glory. He makes grace abound towards me. I always have all sufficiency for all things and abundance for every good work. He's blessed me with every spiritual blessing. He's, he's more than enough in my life. What am I doing? I'm building on a rock. I want to make sure that when the problem comes, I already know what to do. You don't want to be sitting across the desk from a doctor and push a piece of paper over to you and say, I don't know how to tell you, but you got this disease. You only have three months to live. That is not the time. Oh, my God. No, no. Where's the rock? You see, that's someone who hasn't practiced the word. They look good. They went to church. But now there's letters come. God, how can you let this happen to me? Jesus said it's coming. So what do I do? I see myself ahead of time. I see, I've, I've literally, I've t- I did it one day. Jenny and I were challenged financially, and we went through, you've heard, if you've been here long enough, you know I test me. I don't have time to get into it now. But we were in, in, in serious financial stress. And I went to the Word of God to, for provision. And it seemed like once I started tithing, it's like every financial demon showed up in my life to come and... <laughs> How many you notice? I mean, you know, it was bad enough trying to get through on 100%. Now you're tired. Now you've got 90%. Now how do I get through on that? And I had to learn God's word, trust his word. And some months I, we went through and all we had to live on was faith. We had, the, the, the budget was gone. I mean, I had a rubber bottom bag account. If money came in, it went out to everybody else. I had nothing left for ourselves. And we had to live by faith sometimes, month to month. But I remember sitting one day in my study, and I imagined, and I did this. I saw myself losing everything, everything taken from me. My house repossessed, lost my job, back just sliding all the way, right to the point of sitting on a park bench with a sign, please give me some food today. Lost everything. I I imagined that happening, and I thought in that moment, what would you do? You're sitting there with nothing left. Every person you love's walked out of your life. You dropped, you dirty, your last shower was like two months ago. What do you do at that moment? And I thought, my God shall supply my need today. He is my provision. I will never lack. He will make sure I have food today. He will get clothes to me. He'll find somewhere for me to live. My God is my source, not the man that I'm trying to get 10 rand off. My God is my source and my supply. And it hit me within a fire. Because I was prepared to go there and still trust God, I will never get there. You see, I built my house ahead of time. So when the first financial calamity comes, I don't think, my boss should have given me a promotion because my source is not my boss. God is my source. And so when I get that wrong, that, 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 that 
alternative letter, a bad report. I immediately go to the report I've already built my life on. I'm standing on a rock. This is a storm that's come up. The wind's beginning to blow. The rain is pouring. It's starting to feel really rough out there, but I am solid. Can you imagine a, a Russian, uh, 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 not Russian, I don't know why I said Russian, but <laughs> I suppose it's because they're in the news. If you can imagine a huge bunker, like a, a solid concrete bunker that you go, it's dug deep down in the ground, solid concrete, steel and everything, and, and it's built to take a nuclear bomb. And then the sirens go off. There's a nuclear attack coming. And you get down in there. And it's got all your supply, your food, your water, everything. All you got to do is get down in there, close that door. You inside that bunker. That nuclear bomb can land up top. You even you hear it. Boom. And you stand. You're safe. You're protected. Why? You are in the rock. See, family God, when you understand that Jesus is that living rock. The Word of God is what gives you that foundation. Come and have a look at Matthew chapter 16. Jesus was asking His disciples, who do men say that I am? And they came up with all kinds of reincarnation. And, and they said, hang on, who do you say that I am? Matthew 16 verse 16, Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ. The son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I also say to you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Sometimes we hear the name Peter and we assume that's a name Jesus gave him. It's not. Jesus was speaking and yeah, it's recorded in the Greek. And he says to you, his name is Simon. That's who he's known as. His name is Simon. And then you see here is Simon Bar-Jonah. Bar-Jonah is the way they used to do uh, surnames. Bar means son of. So you are Simon, son of Jonah. Oh, now I know which Simon. So that's how surnames came to pass in that sense. So his name's Simon by Jonah. And then Jesus says to him, you're Peter. He didn't use the word P-E-T-E-R. When he spoke and said, you are Petros. It was in lowercase. It's not a name. You are Petros. Petros is a rock. And then he says something interesting. He says, and on this Petra, I will build my church. He wasn't referring to Peter. Peter wasn't the first pope. <laughs> Not he built his house on Jesus, on Peter. No, you are Petros, and I'm going to build my house with Petra. What's Petra? Petra is that bunker. It's that huge, it's, it's a mountain. And he says, you are a chip. Off the block. Have you heard that statement? Use the chip off the old block. You are now a rock. You see, Simon means a reed, someone that's blown around easily. He says, That's who you've been all your life. You know Simon. I mean, he just flip off on anything. And yeah, Jesus says, Now you've been all over the place, different, but I'm telling you, if you hear that I'm the Christ, the Son of the living God, he didn't hear you are your surname's Christ. He said, You're the anointed one. 
You are the anointed one. You carry the anointing. And Jesus said, now you understand who I am. That anointing is the yoke-removing, burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God. If you can get a hold of the fact that I'm not just your Savior, I am here to destroy every yoke in your life. I am here to take care of every situation. I am here to deliver you. I am here to protect you. If you can get a hold of that, I am the Christ in your life then you have now built your house on the Petros. You are now a man that's founded on a rock. And on my rock, the rock of my living word, the revelation, the understanding, and my word will never fail. That's how I will build my church. And it puts you in a place that when you bind, heaven will answer. When you lose, heaven will answer. Family of God, you got all the angels of God backing you up. All it takes is taking that word and building it into your life ahead of time. Find it on the rock. And so when the storm comes, you stand there saying, it is written. Oh, the rest of the world may be collapsing and buckling at the knee, but praise God. They said South Africa this last quarter just must have been declared a recession. And I remembered a couple of years ago how we were going through a recession. And somebody, I was overseas, and they said to me, I hear South Africa's in recession. Yes, that's what they say. They said, how's it affecting you? I said, I've chosen not to participate. <laughs> See, I'm on the rock. Hallelujah. So family of God, I don't care what happens out there. No matter what storms you're experiencing, make sure that you're building your house. What do I mean by that? Every morning, take out those scriptures, read through them. It's not something we just do on a Sunday or on a Wednesday at home cell. Every single day. Build that word, feed your faith, and practice it now with little things, little problems. Practice it. How do you sow seed to get out of that? How would I pray? What do I confess for that little itch? What I, just keep practicing the word. And when the big storm comes, you're equipped and you're ready. Amen. You get something this morning? Come on, give Jesus praise. Say this with me. Today I heard the word of God. That word brought faith to my heart. I am a believer, not a doubter. As a hearer of God's word, I am also a doer. From this day on, I choose to obey God's Word. I hear what He says, and I immediately put it into practice. Everything He commands me, I do. And in doing it, daily, I am founded on the rock. No matter what storm comes my way, I am already ready for it. In Jesus' name. You believe that? Amen. Let's stand together, every head bowed, every eye closed. Christians, begin to pray and intercede. If I can ask no one to be moving now except the helpers, this is such a moment, vital, vital, vital moment. You know, I don't want to be the one that walks out of a room and then an unbeliever walks along with me and they die and go to hell. No, let's just give a moment for God to do a work here. As we are praying in the Spirit, everybody's interceding. There's an atmosphere of faith. I want to speak to those today that may be here for their first time. 
Maybe you, you know, so I don't know how someone invited you maybe, or maybe you saw Apostle Theo on TV, thought, let me go check that church out. Maybe you're just driving past, saw the sign, popped in here. I don't know how you came to be here. But this I do know. It was not an accident. God called you for this moment. Yeah, this, this moment, this moment right now. For you to hear me tell you that He loves you. God loves you. Maybe somebody says, how can you tell, him, tell me He loves me when you don't even know who I am? You don't know what I've done. That's the good news. It doesn't matter what you've done. It's what He has done. Because He saw before you were even born that you and I would sin. There's none of us that can say we haven't sinned. But he saw it ahead of time, and he already made the plan by sending Jesus to come and die for that sin. He paid the full price for your sin. That's the proof of his love. And then he rose from the dead, proving all sin is paid for. God's not sending anybody to hell for sin. The sin's paid for. Well, how come people go to hell? The Bible says because of unbelief. We were all destined for hell. God paid the price to get us out of hell. And all we have to do today is believe that. The Bible says if you believe with your heart that Jesus is raised from the dead and confess with your mouth that He's your Lord and Savior, you will be saved. That's a guarantee. Now, I want to lead you in that prayer today. I'm not going to embarrass you. We're all going to pray the same prayer out loud together. And so today, if you've never yet given your life to Jesus, maybe you're today saying, that's it, I am doing that today. I want to be born again today. God, please save me. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, wherever you're standing, just raise your hand up right now. Lift your hand. God bless you. God bless you. Just lift that hand high. Let me see. God bless you. I want to give my life to Jesus. God, please save me. I want to know this living God. Raise your hand up. This is your moment. Even if you prayed a prayer like this a long time ago, but today you know your life's not right with God. Maybe you backslid. But today you're coming home. You want to rededicate your life. Lift your hand as well. Let's pray the same prayer. There's another hand. Well done. God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Anybody else? Now, if you have not yet raised your hand, are you absolutely certain that if you died at any moment, you would go straight to heaven? Are you sure? Maybe you stand there and say, Pastor Alan, I don't know. I really would like to go to heaven, but I'm not sure. Please don't go home without praying this prayer. If you're not sure heaven is your home, but you want to make sure, lift your hand now. Let's make sure together. Thank you. Well done. Good decision. That's three invitations. One, give your life to Jesus. Two, rededicate your life. Or three, make sure heaven is your home. If you haven't raised your hand yet, but you still want to be included in this prayer, lift your hand now in the name of Jesus. All right, we're going to pray now. If you did raise your hand at any time, please raise it briefly again. I'd just like somebody nearby to see where you are. We're going to slip over to you. Come put our hand on your shoulder. That's just to let you know we love you. We want to be a part of what's happening in your life right now. We cite it for you. If someone has their hand on your shoulder, you're welcome to drop your hand. I'm going to ask everybody, please pray along with me. But especially if you raised your hand, say this out loud with me. Dear Jesus, thank you. You died for me. You gave your life so that I could have life. And then you rose from the dead. Today you are alive. 
And I believe it. I call you Lord. From this day on, I'm living for you. I'm a child of God. And I know one day I will leave this earth and I'll stand before you and see you face to face. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Praise God. You're born again, a child of God. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us during this episode of Living Life with Dr. Theo and Bev Fulmerans. We hope that through this inspired teaching, you had an encounter with God. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Apostle Theo and Dr. Bev Volmerans and would like to enjoy more resources, we hope you will visit our website at www.christianfamilychurch.co.za or for our American listeners, www.christianfamilychurchsa.com. Thank you.